0: Welcome to the Southwest Climate Podcast for August, unofficially dubbed the Monsoon and El Nino Show. Uh, I'm Zach Idle again here with Mike Crimmins in the Clemus Penthouse Podcast Studios, floor two. Floor two. <laughs> so, uh, in today's episode, we're going to mainly cover the monsoon and the El Nino, but we're going to try something a little bit new. We've uh, received a few questions in the last month or two about both the monsoon and the El Nino. And so, I'm going to try to address those splicing them in at a at appropriate times. So for anyone that's listening, if you have a question or two Going forward, uh, you can feel free to email me those questions, and uh, and we'll try to get to them. Make sure
1: they're uh, related to climate or weather. <laughs> that's that's um, good. They
0: have to be related to climate right. and weather. No
1: no car or love advice <laughs> like the uh, car talk
0: show. So well, actually, I should probably give your email. <laughs> you know, fair enough. <laughs> no, but you can email those to me at uh, zachguido at email dot dot edu. And actually, that is incorrect. My email <laughs> that is not my email address. <laughs> Somebody's email. Address. It's uh, it's zguido at email.arizona.edu. Sorry, I'm getting. Try the there. other one too yeah. and see what kind of results you get. Yeah. Confused. Enough with that. Mike is our resident climate crystal ball full forecaster, so we're going to start. With <laughs> I like you. to look backwards than forwards, though. <laughs> okay, well, let's look backwards. So let's first uh, let's first shake out the the monsoon. Um, so let me just provide the the general picture, and then Mike, you can talk a little bit about some of the nuances. So. Through more or less two thirds of the monsoon. Yeah. Um, um, southeast Arizona, uh, has generally been above average with again, this is typical of all monsoon seasons. The higher uh, elevations are receiving more precipitation than, than the deserts. But if you look at maps, the southeast Arizona is generally uh, above average or, or near average. Yeah,
1: Cochise County, filling in, it appears to be some of the data that we're looking at, a really nice, even, it seems to be anyways. I mean, these maps can lie a little bit on the evenness of the precip, but, you know, 6, 8, 10 uh, inches so far, that's not too bad. I mean, and that would be 150, 200% of average at this point. Some of the higher peaks seem to be picking up, just as you said, you know, months in, in excess of 12 inches.
0: Yeah, so southeast Arizona's got a pretty good monsoon signal, uh, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, big story, of course, in the last week is the torrential rains that happened in in Phoenix, which is also causing, which also hit other parts of the, that sort of larger uh, Phoenix uh, metropolitan region. And there's pretty big precipitation totals and percent of averages in in that part of Arizona. Yeah, Maricopa well.
1: County really catching up in just the last week or two
0: yeah we'll get we'll get back to that because i believe some places had in around five inches of rain in just yeah. one, one event which 24 is four hours yeah pretty big it's not bad it's not bad at all big as it gets more or less, uh, yeah
1: it. it's hard to do 24 hour totals of one inch or two inches and uh yeah the, so southern part of yavapai county on the southern end of the I think it's the Prescott Mountains. There's a couple of small towns up in there, and some flood control gauges and these fire weather stations that recorded 24-hour totals of five to six inches.
0: Okay, and then there's a nice part of the map that's really uh, been experiencing precipitation in terms of above-average precipitation, but it's a little bit of a of a misguide here, and mm-hmm. that is the sort of far western part of the state in Colorado River River Valley, where yeah. you can see percent of averages on the order of 400 percent and greater. Right. But of course, that area doesn't receive a ton of rain to begin with. So That's it's, right. we're just looking at totals for the monsoon season from June fifteenth through August twentieth on the order of three to three to four, three to three to five inches, which is still obviously four hundred percent above above average. But yeah. they're not as much total rain as in other parts of, uh, of of the state
1: that's right i mean the low desert area down there the bar is very low the bar is on the ground basically as far as precipitation and especially with the summer that's not a favorite area to get a lot of monsoon precipitation and they typically only get a couple of events a year but when they do get those events they tend to be big rainers so
0: is that what happened?
1: Yeah. This? So that the, so if you look at like La Paz County and once the maps get updated through today, Yuma County and um, that southern part of California was a big day as this low pressure system that drove a lot of our rain over the last couple of days actually kicked out and has been moving across big, big, heavy um, rainers down there. Those big totals where you've seen 400% of average on some of these maps, the max one-day totals in those areas was two to three inches. So those percentages and those totals for the season so far were about one or two days of precip.
0: Also, for those listening, uh, we're, we're look, these maps that we're looking at, we keep referencing. We'll put a link on our, on our website, but there's a really good page for both Arizona and New Mexico that summarize a whole bunch of information that's important for understanding sort of the character of the monsoon. Uh, Mike Crimmins actually here uh, developed these so we'll get a link up on our on our podcast uh, website for that but you can also search if you search Mike Crimmins monsoon I think they'll they'll, they'll come something up. might come up something <laughs> might come up <laughs> maybe something you want to see I'm not sure it, the actual title is summer monsoon season precipitation mapping so yeah. maybe that's a good google search term yeah. and I
1: think we're starting to use them in some of our blog posts and it will make a better connection so we'd love to hear some feedback on them we're trying to use them as a new tool to sort of describe some of things we're talking about today
0: so let's turn the picture to, to New Mexico, uh, which is a much nicer it's Wet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh, mean, if you look at all of basically the central part of New Mexico from the south to the north, there are they've experienced about average, average precipitation.
1: Yeah, I, I put a new figure on the bottom of the page there, which is a, a time series graph of sort of different categories here. And so if you look at that figure, it's about 85% of New Mexico is... At least average or above average, so there's only you know a small chunk of it that's observing below average precipitation.
0: What's been the cause of it? I mean is this just monsoon moisture is there is there something storms been wafting in from different areas like is is this an, an an abnormal picture, I guess. Well, I mean, it's
1: a lot of rain. Uh, And if you look at one of the, or if you just sort of think about how the monsoon has evolved over New Mexico, they had a really good, strong early start. They were picking up precipitation in right around uh, June 15th and through the last couple of weeks of June where we hadn't even started. And then they had a couple, they had about three really good pulses of precipitation. And then in between that, really good afternoon convection firing up over the mountains, dropping a lot of rain. So couple of good pulses of moisture, a lot of probably recycling with afternoon convection over the mountains. But it's really been, for the last two weeks, things have slowed down a lot in New Mexico. But not here. Not here. No, we've had sort of a little bit of a flip-flop. And the activity here in Arizona, especially over the last week, has been a low pressure system, sort of a a couple of weird little um, wandering lows. And the, the most recent one was one that has wandered down the coast of California and is now actually traveling right over southern Arizona as we speak right now. Brought so, all, and, that,
0: all that cloud cover yesterday. Yeah,
1: some very low temperatures, very unusual dynamics. You know, there's there's energy in these low-pressure systems to be able to provide wind shear, energy to lift air, and organize storms. So you can do things like have these incredible raining events in a big organized clusters of storms like we had in north of phoenix and even some of the activity we've had down here over the last week because of this low pressure system wandering overhead
0: did that itself bring in the moisture needed for that or was there just residual moisture around or was it a combination of both,
1: both? yeah it's both you know we've had we had good good low level moisture available and then the low itself helped drag some of it up here what you would call this kind of system especially sort of it's a, again this trough or this low pressure system wandering in coming out of the northwest would really be what we call a transition event. And transition meaning it's sort of the type of event you'd see from your normal monsoon activity that's underneath the high-pressure system that's built far to the north. This is more of a transition towards more of a fall pattern. So it really remains to be seen if this is the beginning of a bunch of these events. That then spells a decline in moisture over the next month. But if we go back to more of this ridging then we can actually have some more typical monsoon activity um, going into mid-september but you know you get to you get to late August and it you know things can go different directions the monsoon can end abruptly and you get into more of a wintertime pattern fall more more of a fall pattern or it can really hang on and go right through
0: mid-september so I just want to go back a little bit talk about Phoenix because they are experiencing in one respect a pretty good monsoon if you just look at at totals and because that area, boasts the largest population in Southwest. There you, you go. You know, yeah. the monsoon might be classified as, uh, as a good monsoon, but, it, you know, this is sort of, you know, a, a very whimsical animal we're talking about. And if you look up in the Four Corners region, for example, yeah. it's a very different picture. It is a different picture. It's gotten better over the last
1: week. The precipitation has actually sort of started to fill in across the Four Corners. One of the ways I like to think about, Um, the monsoon is it's not all about the totals, but it's how often it's raining and how much it's raining, right? So it's a sort of frequency of events. Yeah, if you look at, and again, this is not atypical of lower elevation areas. Lower elevation areas typically are going to get whacked with a couple of events through the entire season, but it's the sort of spacing of those events that becomes really important. You know, it's good to have them evenly spaced out the season. I mean, you can't predict that and you can't often count on that, but they had a real long dry stretch across northeast Arizona and it's only until
0: you know mid August that they're starting to pick up this precip. Mike was alluding to also maps that are are on his website that talk about the 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 number of rain days that we've had the fraction of, uh, of days that have Yeah, had rain. so like if we've gotten, if,
1: you know, if we've observed 60 days so far on this monsoon season, and if it's rained 30 of those days recorded precept, then you could say 50%. And 50%, yeah. So, you know, I, when I made these maps, I thought 50 would be a lot, but there are places that have pegged that number. There are probably places 60, 70% of the days that are recording precip. And again, higher elevation areas, you'd expect that because every day the sun comes up, it's heating that um, moisture uh, and pulling it up and turning it into thunderstorms and raining back out again, so... So that's actually a good sign. We have had very few, well, I can't say few breaks. We've had a couple of probably pretty typical um, breaks in the monsoon. That one in um, the later part of July mm-hmm. and a little bit of a slowdown earlier this month. Overall, some places have still chugged along and been able to rain out every day, Okay. every day.
0: So if you were to, I'm going to put you on the spot here. This is going to be a tough As you, one. Okay, right, this great. This is going to be a tough one. Okay. How would you describe the monsoon?
1: Ooh, Orange, I I don't, I don't know. I mean, a B plus, I, you know, B plus. Well, see that, that No, I'm not sense. sure. I just threw that one out there. Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah, butter and, pecan. I, I mean,
0: yeah. Okay, fine. I, yeah, <laughs> on that one. I mean, part part of this is that there's a lot of components to the monsoon, and you can look at the monsoon in a number of different ways. You can look at it by the the number of days that have had, yeah. had rain. You can yeah. look at it by totals. You can look at it by the number of breaks. All of these things are actually pretty important to just describe the the, yeah. the the flavor, which is, I think, one of the reasons why everybody sort of likes to tune into the monsoon, because, you know, it's not just about one story. Yeah, everyone's a little bit different.
1: Yeah, that, that's a really good, it's a really good question. So, you know, kind of putting all these things together, and again, it's about where you are, right, because right? It, it's diverged, you know, some places have had pretty regular, consistent precipitation, some places have had very infrequent, you know, is that all that far off for some of these places, maybe not. But, I mean, if you just look at Arizona as a whole, it's done pretty well, right? And it's and New it's,
0: Mexico, for that matter, too. <clears throat>
1: New Mexico, too, yeah. I mean, different ways of and timing of getting that precip, but overall, you know, both of them, just this coarsest metric of, like, percent area of the state above average, you know, at least average is, you know, both of them are 70%, 80% average to above average. So we've had we've had monsoons where it's been, you know, way, way worse, way, way worse than that. So I think, you know, overall, I think a lot of us can be, and again, there's clearly places on this map and in parts of Arizona and New Mexico that have seen pretty miserable things, but okay, so spatially of, pretty good.
0: One of the questions that has uh, come up repeatedly, and we've actually addressed this in, in previous uh, editions, but it's worth taking up again because I think there's a, uh, still an evolving context here. And that is, what, what's the link between monsoon and, and, and El Nino? Or written more broadly, what's the link between the monsoon and, and background climate conditions? So, yeah, Okay. Maybe it's first worth talking a little bit about the definition of climate versus weather, because I think this feeds into the monsoon. And in my mind, Mike, uh, when we talk about the climate influence, what we're talking about is the sort of state of the atmosphere and the oceans that then condition or influence weather that evolves. Yeah, absolutely. So with that definition, what, what... could Can we say about sort of the climate's role in this monsoon, if anything?
1: If anything. Well, okay, probably, as we sort of talked about before the podcast a little bit earlier too, is that you know I think of the climatological part of the monsoon as the very, very regular um, change in circulation pattern that brings in our monsoon. The monsoon moisture, if you look back at historical records, is so dialed in, it shows up very, very regularly in late June, early July, with very little air bars around that, right? I mean, you never see any, You never see the monsoon start in late May, and you never see the monsoon start in early August, right? And so that, and then in its own right, that means that there's sort of this climatological global circulation pattern change that very regularly dials it in. So to me, that's the sort of the monsoon climatology part of it, right? Now that wiggle around, say, like we use this climatological definition of July 4th, um, that's both you know, anecdotal and well, statistical. it happened this year. <laughs> it happened this year, right? I mean, it, yeah, it's another another feather in our cap or another data point entered. That, to me, is pretty amazing from a climatological perspective. But this, that wiggling around, does it come in a little earlier than that, a little bit later than that, can be conditioned by what you just said, you know, this idea of the slowly varying components of the ocean system, for example, like El Nino or La Niña we're speculating as we've forecasted this El Nino form every month now for six months and
0: it'll become clear next month it'll be <laughs>
1: become clear and I think I told somebody yesterday is that you know hopefully by January when it matters we could actually say that it's here and we can
0: that's being flippant, flippant. It, I'm <laughs> being very
1: flippant at this point because if we get to that point then our and our, we don't know yet we, we still don't happening. know yet we'll probably have to talk about that a little bit more yeah. in, a, in a couple of minutes but the potential impact of El Nino on say that monsoon moisture coming in maybe a week earlier or two weeks earlier or, or, or coming in two weeks later. Again, very, very dial in climatology of the monsoon. You know, some of the research suggests that you can have an impact on that pretty subtle window at the beginning of the monsoon season. Like an El Nino may make that onset of moisture and precipitation a little bit later. Uh, and La Niña's maybe a little bit earlier. But again, it's pretty noisy and right. And because we now get into whether or not specific weather events are actually part of the equation at the beginning of the monsoon. And then once you get in the monsoon, it really is the capriciousness of weather through the whole season about whether you have events like like this little, tiny, super weak, low-pressure system that wandered down the California coast and then created this amazing set of thunderstorms that dumped six inches on Yavapai County. Could we have seen that?
0: climatologically Climato- probably Cl- not.
1: climatologically no cuz it's a such an outside event right it's a very very low probability event and then from a forecast standpoint you know if we would have looked at this 2 months ago was there anything to suggest that would happen no absolutely not and was it even forecast to do what it did in the weather models not really we knew that this thing was going to make a big rain event and there was a flash flood watch posted but nobody could have suggested that that was going to be the the bullseye of that activity
0: I keep thinking every time the monsoon comes up, it's all—it's always clear to me that it's—we're re- really just talking about weather. I mean, there's a there's a small window which we may have the background conditions influence, but then it is paying attention to the weather.
1: It is paying attention to the weather, but I think you know the, what we can kind of bring to this is that we need to tally these events up, and put it back into a climate context, and that's you know that's. These events come and go, and they're in and out of our Twitter feed and our, our, our immediate consciousness, but they, they do matter as you sort of total things up over time.
0: Well, that's that's actually a really good point. So you do have this aspect of climatology, which can be used for uh, helping to hedge your bets look, looking forward. But then there's an the aspect of climatology that really puts events into context yeah absolutely. Right? So anytime yep. that we're we're talking about a percent of average or a difference from average right that incorporates climatology that yeah, incorporates history
1: it does and so that your point earlier about the you know we look at these maps and we look at these totals in La Paz County north of Yuma along the little, little Colorado they are 400% of average right that's a that sounds like SeaWorld water Craziness all over the place, and but it it and it was a lot of water, but it was all in one day, and it was probably two and a half inches in one day. Again, a lot of water for that spot, but if you put that into context, it's not relative to say a total at the top of the White Mountains. So again, that's that that, that context. So it's it's it is it's really important to have both of those things in your interpretive mind. To
0: well, and, and also related to that point, suppose somebody heard. Like me, for instance, who doesn't live in Phoenix. I mean I know the climate here, so this is not, not a great example, but suppose somebody that doesn't live in Phoenix heard five inches. Mm-hmm. Like that in and of itself isn't that meaningful. But if they heard two hundred percent above average, yeah. like they would immediately know that it's wetter than it tends to be. Yeah. On
1: on average. A tenth of an inch is still not very much rain. Right. I don't know if you guys heard this, but there's some precipitation totals on Long Island a week or two ago. There was, I, I believe, I have this number correctly. It was a 13-inch, 24-hour total, and to me, <laughs> that's that our, sounded that's total like total annual precipitation. It yeah. sounded like a cataclysmic event. But again, it it was flat, and it was next. It was on the ocean, so it probably didn't probably didn't create an impact at all. Maybe that's the whole point of it, is like how do these numbers actually fit into creating an impact or not? Yeah,
0: what, is it, what does it mean? What does it mean? We hear that all, all the time. We do,
1: yeah. I mean, and so maybe just to, to put a, a fine point on this is that the those precipitation totals in southern Yavapai County turned into a whole lot of water raging down the new rivers, the new river and the Agua Fria River, and pegging some records as far as that, and trapping a bunch of people in their homes and washing stuff out and those kinds of things. So... It, however, you wanna, you'd want to look at the data, it was a lot of rain.
0: Okay, so for the El Nino part of this, since we're, you know, spent a lot of time, I think we're about,
1: just going to splice in our conversation from the last four months. <laughs> do, we have,
0: do we have anything else to say about El, well, El it's, Nino?
1: Well, it, it's out there and it, it's supposed to show up again next month.
0: Okay, so the, the the forecasts are still, as they have been, calling for sort of a, a weak to, to moderate event. That hasn't changed in the past. Well,
1: there have been, been some, actually, yeah, some pretty – they're subtle, but I think important changes in the forecast um, over the last couple of months. And so, you know, if, we, if, if you listen to the podcast the last couple of months, we were pretty excited about things that were happening in the Pacific several months ago. And there's a big – Record possibly record slug of warm water, as far as its magnitude and intensity, that came across in, from between January and April, surfaced in the East Pacific, and that was a very we thought was going to be the the start of a, a pretty immediate and big El Nino response, meaning that the atmosphere would notice it and it would kind of reorganize around it, and we'd start to see weather patterns, which was also put a little concern in us down here in Arizona, New Mexico, that it was going to mess with our monsoon system. Because as we talked about earlier, it, it could have you delayed, know, it. delayed it, right? Well, that slug of water came and went, cooled itself off and didn't do much. The atmosphere paid very little attention to it. To the forecast model's credit, they saw this the whole time. We didn't believe it, that there was going to have this thing come across. It was going to warm a little bit and it was going to cool a little bit. And so we're now in the, little, the cooling a little bit phase. But Lo and behold, another slug of warm water is on its way across the Pacific. And that is what the forecast models are now keying in on, is this another burst of warm water that should come to the surface in the next couple of months with the expectation that the atmosphere will be in a much better place, emotionally, physically, mentally, I don't know, whatever, um, to, to sort of respond to this it, and do El Nino. Do it, man.
0: It's worth noting that the coupling between the ocean and atmosphere yeah. tends to happen at this time of year.
1: It does. It, tend, it tends to, to happen in July, right? I mean, as you, you typically get that coupling there. So there, there have been a couple
0: of things. So it started early, like three or four months ago. The
1: ocean yeah. started to say El Nino months ago, right? And then it shouted its, until it got hoarse, and the atmosphere <laughs> didn't respond. And so then the ocean says, well, forget it, and then, but it's going to try again. And so it's going to start shouting again. And some of the people are saying now that, well, anybody who's listening to this will love the slipperiness of climatologists like myself. Is like, well, the atmosphere is actually going to be in a much better spot.
0: Sounds um, like a rationalization. It's a
1: total rationalization. But I'll, I'll go along with it, and I'll, I'll continue to, to but, push it as well.
0: But the probabilities from the CPC and from the International Research Institute for Climate and Society, IRI, those probabilities have declined. Slightly, but they went back
1: up again. But what has the subtle again? The subtle shift was that there was a much better chance of a moderate event earlier, with an outside chance of a strong event a couple months ago because we had all that warm water to deal with. The most recent forecast that came out this week is now saying the strong event is climate is probabilistically off the table. There's just no, there's probably no chance of that happening. A moderate event has started to slide. The probability of a moderate event is not as probable now. The most probable outcome of an El Nino event coming on this late with its the, the energy it's got to work with is a weak event. So you kind of rank order them. The most probable outcome for the middle of winter now is a weak event. The next is a moderate event, and the next is no event at all. Right. And the strong one is basically off the table. So so what, what does that mean? Yeah,
0: it, that, it, the, the logical next question uh, is, uh, does the intensity matter?
1: The intensity does seem to matter. We mentioned... Um, before the podcast, you and I were talking, and the, the battle cry I think we mentioned last week is, um, remember 86? Remember 1986? I think a lot of that is because it was a late onset event, and so we're kind of pointing to that. So I think you pulled up a map, I pulled up a map, and we went back and we looked at 1986 as far as how it shook out as far as winter totals across the Southwest, and it was, hey eh, you know, it was some places were a little bit below some it, it basically didn't look like much of a response at all California in 86 though did not have much of a winner which is not something
0: it's, it's probably a, worth pointing out a little folly in this and that is like when you break down the number of years by ENSO phase yeah. you get something like half the time it's neutral and then a quarter of the time it's both El Nino and, and La Niña, something like that. Right, and then so that winnows the data sampled down. And then when you look within 25% of that data and look at the strength of the event, you're getting even further down in, in numbers. So like statistically speaking, it's really difficult to actually say something robust about the strength. Absolutely. Absolutely. But we still have patterns that we, we look at and we use as, as guides. But there's also this notion of no two oceans are the same.
1: Absolutely. And the background conditions, and again, this is where weather becomes important. And there's some other interesting things like the Pacific Decadal Oscillation and its signature is markedly different now. It's warm, which we haven't seen in a long time, this strong. So, And we're not totally sure how that how that interacts with any of this. Again, if you just do this this very simple pattern matching with very few events, like you said. Some come out wet, some come out dry. Our database and our number of events, if we had a 1,000 week El Nino events in our back pocket, like we could go back and look at, we could pretty confidently say right. what may end up happening if this event shakes out to be a week El Nino. But we instead, what we have is probably 10 <laughs> right. week El Nino events to be able to make that thing. And does, so does that actually say that this, and again, it's this idea of using an analog And when we say analog, we mean, is there something in the past that is some guide to the present, you know, some example case that we can sort of drag forward? 86 is probably only similar in the sense of it was late onset. Does that actually mean it has any indication of how our precip is going to shake out here? No. The Climate Prediction Center forecasts are still bullish on above average precipitation. And that has not changed because they still see some kind of typical El Niño response across the southwest for the midwinter period.
0: That's that's good because I'm looking at uh, another question that's worth talking about and that is drought is widespread. Yeah. And so El Niño tends to bring uh, above average precipitation. So one of the questions is, you know, and stories have talked about this, it's you know, how much can El Niño impact the drought? Yeah. Or is it a drought buster? Right. If you look at precipitation anomalies during El Niño's in the past. California, like the west coast of California, tends to get five inches more than average. Other parts of California, somewhere around three. Uh, southern Arizona, southern New Mexico, it's a little bit more than than one. The extent to which it busts a drought depends on the kind of the timescale that you're looking at in terms of, of, of drought and how much precipitation deficit has, has accumulated.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the drought... We're talking about now from like California to New Mexico is a long term drought. It's a drought that's accumulated over many years now, and largely in the wintertime lack of precipitation, so snowpack and, and the such. If you think about it in that terms, can you erase multiple years of an accumulative impact over a couple of months? Probably not. I mean, just logically, that doesn't make sense. Um, What you can see is immediate changes in water resources. You can fill up reservoirs probably pretty quickly. But you'd have to do that in probably a destructive way too, right? I mean, you're talking about getting a lot lot of rain. Yeah, a lot of rain. A lot of rain. A lot of flooding. A lot of flooding. And um, it's not the best way to solve a drought. You know, the best way to solve a long-term drought is have a long-term wet period. If you, you look back at the records, that is cyclical and dicey as far as chances we get we get runs of drought way more often than we get runs of wet. So it's almost like, you know, that's sort of the background condition of this whole area.
0: Yeah, and I think it's worth saying we said this before. It it's droughts are those are those things that take a little while to get into and they take a little while to get out of.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you can you can have improvements. You can have drought conditions that develop very quickly depending on the season and the type of precip. But these Winter droughts to solve them in a probably a meaningful way is you need to have that precip show up again at least average to above average in those same seasons over multiple years. The California one has been multiple years. Yeah. The New Mexico three one, three
0: three four years. Yeah.
1: I mean, in the Arizona one, if you look at it in, in New Mexico, very acute in the last four, but below average. You know, eleven of fifteen years since. Right, and the, Since 2000. and the reservoirs
0: reflect that. You can clearly see that. Oh, yeah, see yeah. That. I mean, it's a struggle. But I, So I think that to put a, a point on this question, it's not to say that a season doesn't matter. A season clearly matters. Yeah, I mean, rain
1: is good, right? I mean, it's better if it, it's a little bit more even spatially and comes a little bit more gently because it's not as destructive.
0: But, yeah, that, that is that's useful. And probably one can think of this as the intensity of the drought. The greater the intensity of the, of the drought, the more succession of seasons is needed to bring it out. If you're just slightly below average in the last two years and you had a good monsoon season or not, maybe not monsoon, but good winter season, you're more apt to come out of that than if you had six uh, dry seasons in a row that really accumulated these deficits. So uh, clearly, you know, one one payday, so to speak, isn't going to matter that much.
1: Absolutely. And I th- you just made a really important point, though, of, you know, winter versus summer rain is completely different. The accumulation of winter drought over these many years leads to m- much more acute situations when we talk about r- water resources than, you know, dry summers. The fact that we haven't had snowpack and that runoff into reservoirs and into deep water recharge and soil moisture and that kind of stuff through the springs is put us in the situation right now. So you can think about, you know, a run of a couple of years where every winter is good, but the summers are bad. Those look really different at the end than vice versa. We have really bad uh, winters and good summers. And we're actually in that situation right now. We've had a couple of pretty good summers. And again, California can't be lumped in this discussion because they're not a monsoonal climate. Yeah. Right?
0: 90, 80, 90% of the rain comes in the Absolutely. winter. Absolutely.
1: So if they don't get in that season, that's that's they're just off the table. Us is weird because down in Arizona, New Mexico, because we have this seasonal transitional climate, a run of bad winters with good summers. The summer impacts like range condition and um, stemming the fire season and growing plants and that kind of stuff can provide some, but you can at the same time still have terrible water resource conditions even after having record summers. On well, look at the of each other. I
0: mean, last year's case in point. It was by by and large, by a couple of metrics at least, a pretty pretty darn good monsoon season. Yeah, absolutely. And yet, you know, if you look at the water supply situation, yeah. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't influence the water supply it, situation. It, We're still much, real low.
1: Yeah, you get these weird situations like the flooding in uh, New Mexico and Colorado and parts of Arizona last September with mm-hmm. the some of those tropical events that sort of worked their way up here and. They just happen to rain in the right spots and fill up reservoirs. But those are, those are chance things. Our, a couple of our reservoirs in, in Arizona, every once in a while, if a thunderstorm drops six inches in a couple of days, it will turn into flow into reservoirs. But those are not, you can't manage for those kinds of, those are luck. You're just getting lucky at that point.
0: Back to the weather part of it. Back to the weather part of it. Okay, so we've we've talked enough. Next month we're going to come back. It'll be a retrospective on the monsoon. Yeah, so I think we'll, we'll be able
1: to wrap it up, and we and, uh we'll probably make the next month's forecast on El Niño and. Kick it, kick it one more month down the road.
0: Yeah, well,
1: eventually it'll be next spring and it won't matter anymore because the event either will have happened or not. Well, I don't even know what we'll talk about. by actually, next I'm, pretty, I,
0: I'm I'm, I'm, going to say. Are I'm you going to go, go on the record and say that we're going to know? Yeah, it's, it's going to be. A,
1: what's your, what do you? What's your bum knee telling you as far as El Nino? It's going to rain.
0: I, think, <laughs> I, I, th- I think it's. I feel it in my knee. Do think, you really? I mean,
1: do you, is I think, that westerly wind worse in the Pacific starting to? Well,
0: we start, it doesn't, it doesn't we, matter what. Well, I, I do. I, I
1: maybe we should start a little office pool here on El Nino
0: yeah we should do like the March Madness only it's like yeah I'm August gonna... August Madness for El Nino For El Nino, yeah we could it's gonna, be, it's gonna be a weaker it's gonna be a week you El think Nino, it's gonna be a week yeah. event I'm actually in fact I, I'm, I'm actually confident it's gonna be like 1986 which means absolutely nothing to me. <laughs> that's great <laughs>
1: <laughs> we should think of it in terms of fashion and music so maybe that's what we'll bring in next time
0: but we'll come back next month because the monsoon season will likely be either in its last gasp or, or over and we'll we'll summarize the the monsoon yeah
1: i th- i i think in the next 4 weeks we're going to have some interesting things to talk about um the east pacific uh tropical season has been very very active and interesting and we're getting into the time of the year where any one of these tropical storms or hurricanes wandering around close to the mexican coast can visit us and so you never know i mean there's an off chance that we may end That's up right. have actually... a tropical visitor
0: we didn't talk at all about the, the, we the we cyclones can, in the, right. the East Pacific, but yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. Sounds good. Suffice it to say that none of them have actually curved None of the nine that have happened so far have curved yeah. landward yet. But yeah. uh, Too early.
1: That's all, they're all heading the direction you expect them for the, the middle of the summer. But um, as you get closer to the fall, they get pulled more. They get pulled more. There's a better chance of them to start to, to wander this way.
0: Okay, Again, uh, for those of you who do have questions and you want to send me an email, uh, I'd be happy to to field those. My correct email address is zguido at email.arizona.edu or you can just find me on the Clemas website or even Mike for that matter. We send um, emails to any any of us. So thanks for uh, tuning in and uh, we'll come back in a month. Okay, so Mike, it's again the El Nino and Monsoon show. I think so.
1: And we basically get to say all the same stuff over again. Yeah. Robotic voiceover of August. Exactly. (laughs) Press 4 for current
0: month. That's awesome. Okay, I'm ready to rock.